0: ...to turn on the Shark Spotlight. Today's episode places Devin Dubnik squarely in the spotlight, and that's a place that goaltenders are used to being every time that they're on the ice. Devin's been a focus of attention since he was the first-round draft pick of the Edmonton Oilers back in 2004. The Sharks are his fifth NHL team, including Edmonton, Nashville, Arizona, and Minnesota. Over the last five years, he's been one of the hardest-working goaltenders in the business. Near the top in games played, games started, and in overall minutes played. But if you look up the name Dubnik in any hockey directory, you see two goaltenders. One of them, of course, is Devin himself, and the other is Barry Dubnik, who happens to be Devin's father. And according to Devin, that's what introduced him to goaltending.
1: He was a goalie, yes. That's where it all began. Uh, well, actually that's, he tried to make me not be a goalie, but, um, <laughs> yeah, no, he played, uh, he played junior as a goalie, uh, Crow's Nest pass, Red Devils. And, uh, yeah, he, uh, I've asked him or told him that's not, I, I don't think that's necessarily why I wanted to be a goalie, but, um, it's why he wanted me to not be a goalie. Um, but he, uh, he was kind of my goalie coach right up until I went to play in the WHL.
0: So that's a big change for not wanting you to play goalie then to becoming your goalie coach. Obviously he he got with the program pretty quickly, but what why didn't he want you to play goal?
1: Well, I mean, because I don't want my kids to play goal either. <laughs> I don't want to I don't wanna have to watch my kids in that. It's a very stressful uh thing. But um, you know, I think I was I, I was nine or ten years old and I think he, you know, just thought I was being a kid and just saying I wanted to be a goalie. And I was a decent hockey player, so I think he was just wasn't about to throw me in that full-time without, without much thought. So he agreed. He finally, I worked on him enough and, and uh, he said, I could play half the games and in that and half as a player. And, and I eventually, I ended up only playing one game as a player that season and played, played every game as the goalie and, and then uh, kind of went from there. And, and then once I, uh, you know, I started to get pretty good at it after about six, seven months. And, and then, yeah, he just kind of taught me what he knew. He obviously, he played, Played as a kid and showed me all the fundamentals. We even did. Uh, I remember. I remember back in the day going doing some some drills with skate saves in it. Really? The uh, yeah. So what was that like? Yeah. Well, it was a, the old school like blade on the ice, shoot it on the ice and deflect it with the <laughs> with the blade of your skate. I can't say I've ever actually used that in the game, but I have done some drills. It was fun. He worked me hard. He was, a, he's a, you know, he's, he was awesome growing up, but he's one thing is the one thing he never let me get away with was not working hard. And so that was a, you know, kind of a, a thing that he instilled in me. So it's been, it's been good.
0: What about your mom? Tell us about her.
1: Yeah, she's, you know, um, been through a lot with her, uh, you know, with the, told a lot of stories with her breast cancer. Um, but she's, you know, again, been, been there the whole time. Um, You know, my dad traveled a ton. Uh, He worked for IBM when I was, when I was younger and, and uh, it's crazy thinking back. I mean, it didn't seem like that much, but uh, probably at the peak of it, it was better. It was better when we moved to Calgary. But I remember when we lived in Vancouver, I mean, he was, he was gone three, four nights a week on average. And there were no cell phones then, like there was no FaceTime. I mean, we were getting a, we were getting one phone call on the house phone at sometime around dinner time that we got to talk to him for a little bit. And so my mom was doing a lot of the a lot of the heavy lifting, but he was always there to you know he was always there for for the sports and the hockey and make sure uh, he was taking us to stuff. But you know my mom had to do a lot of that. So um, just between the two of them, it was it was pretty uh, you know pretty supported.
0: That's pretty awesome. It's great to have good parents. And don't you think that that's, that's a big part of, of any NHL player these days, you have to have that family unit really being supportive in order to help you get to where you are.
1: Oh, Absolutely. There's just, I mean, it's not that it's not that people can't do it. I mean, you, you hear lots of great stories about, uh, you know, guys with, with single parents that, that, you know, get them to, to where they need to be, but, Um, you know, just the time and the, and the effort that goes into all of the practices and the games and stuff, um, you know, you need that, you need that solid structure and, and it certainly helps anyway. And I've, I've been fortunate to have that for, for my whole life.
0: It's often said that the life of a professional hockey player is a nomadic existence going from city to city and from team to team. For instance, Devin Dubnik is now playing for his fifth National Hockey League franchise. But Devin experienced some of that existence while growing up, and it had nothing to do with hockey.
1: Yes. So I was born in Regina, uh, only was there for about six months. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to get the exact timing right on this, but um, we moved to Newmarket, Ontario, uh, which is just outside of Toronto. Um, lived there for, I want to say, five years. Um, moved from Newmarket to Winnipeg. Uh, lived in Winnipeg for six months. Moved from Winnipeg to Vancouver. Lived in Vancouver for four years. Moved from Vancouver to Calgary. And then uh, I was 10 or 11 at that point. 11, I think. And uh, we stayed in Calgary. And my dad had one more opportunity to move. Um, he was a service manager of Western Canada at that point for IBM. And he had one more opportunity to move up the ranks and go back to Toronto. But at that point, I'm I'm the youngest. And I was probably... 14, 15 years old at that time. And he just said, no, you know, with, with us being older and, and obviously with my hockey and things that were going on, um, you know, I was in junior high school, my brother's in high school. He just said, no, we're, we're going to stay put for once.
0: And so basically are they still in Calgary? So they've moved down to, they live in Lethbridge now, which is about an hour
1: and a half South of Calgary. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Um, so yeah, he, he retired from IBM and, um, bought a car dealership, a Mazda dealership in Lethbridge. And so they moved down there to run it. And they just recently sold that uh, about a year ago and are retired now.
0: That's quite a story. And it just brings uh, to my mind a couple things. Number one, you got a sense of what it's like to to move around, which is what a lot of NHL players do. And certainly in your career, you've moved a couple of times, but uh, you also uh, got exposed to, silicon valley in a strange way because your dad worked for ibm isn't it kind of strange how that's all working together to (laughs) to be a shark these days
1: yes i mean there's a lot of crazy things i just did a a interview with um with the stockton record back from what from when i played in stockton my first year and uh it brought back a memory of um when the oilers came in to play the sharks uh, they invite, we happened to be home and didn't have a game. So they invited us, the, the guys that were signed with the Oilers, they invited us to drive down and, and watch the game in a suite. And so we did. And, and, uh, I was just telling the story. I was thinking how crazy it is. Like small world. If you'd told me sit in that suite, watching the Oilers sharks game if 14 years later, I'd be playing for the sharks. I'd probably look at you a little sideways.
0: Were you always a tall kid? Were you always bigger than everybody else in your class? uh yes i was always a tall kid um i wasn't like huge
1: uh i grew i was fortunate to grow very steadily my brother's taller than i am um my brother's he says six nine i think he's six ten but um he so he was kind of that he'd get these massive girl spurts where he'd shoot up a few inches and then stop and i was fortunate enough you know, cause you lose your coordination that way that I just kind of grew steadily. I never had a major jump where, you know, things get all weird. And, um, I was lucky that way. So I probably only got, I don't know, I was six, three, I think my first year of junior when I was 16 and now I'm six, six.
0: Now was your dad taller mom, either one?
1: Yeah, I kind of have, we kind of have height on both sides of the family. So my mom's, my mom's five, nine. Um, five, eight, five, nine. So she's, she's taller for, for a girl. And, you know, that's kind of her, her whole side of the family too. Like her sisters are similar height. Um, her brothers are all tall. They're all six, three, six, four, six, five. Uh, same with my dad, my dad's six, three, uh, his one brother's six, two, his other brother's six, five. So there's kind of height on both sides. So we were bound to produce a couple giants,
0: one interesting note though, is that goaltenders back in the day, weren't all that tall. And in fact, it was rather unusual. Now you got guys like Ben Bishop and so forth, but, but back then, you know, most goalies were kind of built like Nabby. And in fact, Nabby is kind of a, a tall guy in the old days for a goaltender back in the seventies and eighties, certainly. But even after you were born, um, when you started playing gold, did anybody try to convince you to play any other position?
1: Uh, no, you know, I, I, I wasn't very good when I started, but I I uh, I got the hang of it really quick. And you know, my dad kind of tells me that, that that's when he you know not didn't know I was good or going to be playing in the NHL by any means. But that's when he was comfortable with with me just continuing to play goal. Is he said you know to watch uh, my improvement in like four or five months. He said was just crazy. And so that's kind of what made him comfortable to to just let me. Continue to be a full time goalie was just seeing my seeing me improve. So, no, after that, it was that was it.
0: Who are your hockey heroes or sports heroes growing up?
1: Uh, so I got a couple, like, as far as goalies, um, I liked watching, I really like watching Curtis Joseph. Um, a couple of reasons he was in Edmonton, which was close by, obviously, and then uh, when he went to Toronto. Uh, my brother's a diehard Toronto Maple Leafs fan, always has been uh, from growing up in Newmarket. And so I he, I would get bullied into cheering for the Leafs too. And Cujo was playing for, for Toronto. So I became a fan of Cujo and Felix Potman before that as well. Um, but, and then, you know, once I was a goalie and started to watch him, I mean, he was. He was as good as good as it gets for entertainment wise to watch a guy play. I mean, he was athletic and explosive and uh, incredible, and just a lot of fun to watch. So that was one um, a guy that uh, I is one of my heroes as a, as a kid. Which is funny is Fred Brathwaite. And I don't know if you remember Freddie. Um, sure. I know I know him pretty well now, which is which is fun. But uh, I got a chance to tell him that. Uh, one day after I was already playing in the NHL and and he thought I was giving him a hard time but um, he was yeah he was probably probably my number one. Um, I, I, this was right after you know when I started to, to really play like uh, you know not, not a high level but the tier one teams uh, I was probably 12 maybe, 12, 13 and he was the goalie for Calgary at that time and again you talk about another guy that uh, is just a, so much fun to watch, so much energy, uh, athleticism. And, you know, that was the local team. So I became a big fan of Freddie Brathwaite. And a guy, kid that I played um, was on my team. His dad was the assistant coach of the Flames, Rich Preston. His son, Troy, I played on the team with him and was buddies with. And so I, I got a chance to go down during like a pregame skate go in the dressing room and stuff and and i got to meet freddie and just the nicest human you'll ever meet i mean just smile and and he's amazing and which made me just you know fall in love with him more i'm telling him this story like i have a freddie brathwaite signed jersey i have a freddie brathwaite signed stick i got a picture and i'm telling him this and he, he honestly doesn't believe me like he's like no you don't So uh, kind of roundabout story that was fun. Um, Adam Francilia, who works with the team now, he puts on a camp in Kelowna uh, and I work with him. So Freddie comes to that camp and I was able to get my dad to, I knew Freddie was coming. I was able to get my dad to send me that Freddie Brathwaite stick to Kelowna. So I had it when Freddie came and then I was able to bring that stick and get him to personalize it to me and then he wanted me to sign a stick for him. So I got a pretty great picture of me and him swapping goal sticks after, gosh, 15. No, I wouldn't even more than that. I'd probably got that stick 18 years earlier.
0: I'll bet you that stick was a lot heavier than they are now.
1: But yeah, it was a coho. It was a coho. I've been a big heel curve on it. I actually, uh, back then too, you could, you could buy them. Um, this goalie store, Don Simmons sports, it was called. It was a giant goalie store. And you could actually buy the pro models of the sticks and, you know, being a kid and my dad didn't think much of it either, but I wanted one Marty Broder and one Freddie Brathwaite stick, basically the polar opposites of specs on a stick. So I had two goalie sticks that I used for the entire season. The Freddie Brathwaite paddle was like two inches shorter than the Marty Broder one complete opposite curve. And I would alternate sticks game to game because I just, that's what I wanted to do. Like made no sense at all, but that's, those are the two sticks I liked.
0: We've gotten a chance to know Freddie over the years. And of course he was the goalie for Adler Mannheim when the Sharks traveled to Germany for a preseason game before going on to Stockholm to start up the 2010, 11 season. But did you know his brother Rod at all? Cause I have to tell you, they aren't twins, but they look exactly alike.
1: So Rod was my uh, team director at a world junior camp in the summer. And I almost died when I walked in because I thought he was Freddie. I was like, oh my God, Freddie Brathwaite's my, my team instructor. This is great. So then I learned it was his brother and I got to know him a little bit. he was working with Vancouver a little bit too, for a while, but he, uh, I told him the story. I was like, so at the end of camp, I was like, Roddy, you got to hear me out. Like, I gotta, I gotta get this off my chest and I told him that Freddie was my favorite goalie. And, he he honestly didn't believe me at all and i didn't have a cell phone then that i could be like tell my parents to hey fire me a picture of of this freddie brathwaite stuff i have like he didn't believe me until down the road when i saw him in vancouver and managed to to get a thing he just thought i was messing with him
0: you're listening to the shark spotlight on the san jose sharks audio network we continue our discussion with Sharks goaltender Devin Dubnik.
1: It's funny, I always I, I was this like naive kid that just thought that everyone that wanted to play in the NHL got to play in the NHL. And I kind of like held on to that for for a lot longer than I probably should have. For for being a kid that was that was like relatively intelligent kid, like to like I, I thought about my brother clued me into that one day. So I remember, I'll never forget this, in grade six, when my teacher goes around and she's asking everybody, you know, what they want to be when they grow up. And it was like my entire row of buddies said they all want to play in the NHL. And, and I was like the last one of four or five guys and uh, I'm going to be playing the NHL. And she finally kind of got, it Was I think she was getting frustrated. <laughs> so she, she was she's like, you know, there's a stat that you have a better chance of getting hit by lightning than playing in the NHL. And I remember the same thing, thinking to myself, "Oh, it's fine. I'm still going to play in the NHL, whatever." And uh, and then a couple of years later, I was probably 13, maybe. I asked my brother. I said, uh, "So, what team are you going to play on? Are you play in the NHL?" And he look, he looks, gives me a sideways look. He's like, "I'm not playing in the NHL. I'm not even close to good enough." Like he's like, "No, you know, it's impossible to make the NHL." And, and I looked at it, kind of looked at him, and I said, well, "All right, well, I am." And I just kind of always had this, this like naive view that I just was going to do it. It wasn't that I thought I was that good or anything. I just, I don't know. I always had this thing in my head that I was going to play in the NHL and it kind of never left.
0: You go from playing minor hockey in Calgary, you end up with the Kamloops Blazers, as I mentioned. That's a, that's a team with a lot of tradition. What was it like to go to Kamloops and, and what was the experience like?
1: Yeah, I didn't have any problem with, uh. Well, if you can't tell, I don't have any problem talking in general, but uh, my uh, it was it was pretty hard on my mom. So it actually kind of came out of nowhere. I was um 15, and one of the goalies got hurt, and we didn't really know at the time how bad it was, but I basically just packed a bag and took off as a 15 year old. I was in 10th grade, and and uh, you know my mom was was pretty upset. I ended up being gone for almost two months of that season, so that kind of eased me in and and made me a little more ready to to move away the next year. It's funny having kids now. I can't even imagine my poor parents having to do that at fifteen years old. But no, it was cool. And and uh yeah, Camloose was awesome. We were a really good team uh the first the first year I went there when I was a call up as a fifteen year old and then the next year we were pretty good as well. Um but we had a lot of good players and an older team and, you know, definitely learned some things pretty quick. You know, that was a little more old school. Time period, speak when spoken to, kind of thing. Especially, and you're playing with with men too. I mean, I remember the first the first game I got called up. Uh, I flew to Vancouver. We were playing the Vancouver Giants. It was their first year in the league, and I was late for warm up. My flight landed. Flew the same day for whatever reason. I was starting that game, so basically rolled in, put my gear on, started, and uh, one of the lynch brothers i don't know if you recognize that at all but i think there was five of them and they all played played a high level and big dude big bushy beard he was t- he was a 20 year old at the time and i as a kid i mean like i watched my dad play you just if a guy wants to stand in front of you just slash him that's just kind of was part of the game so i'm in there i'm six three hundred and fifty eight pounds probably and I whacked this guy in the back of the legs, and he turns around, looks at me, and he's 20 years old, grown man, full beard, and he just says, if you do that again, I'm going to rip your head off. And I was like, yes, sir. Won't happen again, I promise. <laughs> that was kind of my, this is a little different than Bantam A moment here. The next night, I got absolutely torched that game. I think we lost like 7-1. to one. And uh, so the next night my confidence wasn't overly high and we went into Seattle and full line brawl middle of the second period it's zero zero full line brawl both goalies fight and I'm sitting on the bench just like my eye my eyes are as big as they can be <laughs> thinking like what is happening right now what is what is going on? Everyone's fighting they goalies fight they clean it up and I'm sitting there at the end of the bench and this is funny because Dean Evison, who's now coaching Minnesota and coached me last year in Minnesota, uh, was the coach at Cam this time. (laughs) So I'm sitting there like in disbelief, just not knowing that I had to go play because the goalies fought. And so they're clearing the ice, and the goalies, the, the other two goalies are kicked out of the game, and everyone's clearing. And I'm still sitting at the end of the bench, just like in awe, kind of staring at the stuff. And Dino looks down the bench and he goes, Doobie, what are you doing? get on the ice. I I still, I was in complete denial. Didn't have, didn't have my helmet on. Didn't have my gloves on. Was just staring at the ice and it ended up being my first, uh, my first WHL win. We came on and I think we won five to two and kind of went from there. So, it was funny, and then uh, actually the year of the lockout, Patty Marlowe came and skated with us. So I, I practiced with Patty back in uh, was that 0405 during the lockout. Him and him and Shane Doan, who end up now both my teammates in in the NHL, they both came to Kamloops and had practiced with us for a little bit.
0: It's still pretty rare for a goaltender to get taken in the in the first round, let alone the top fifteen of the first round. What was it like?
1: It was it was a little different being at the draft because. You know, as a goalie, there's only certain teams that need goalies. So there, it would be like the first, I think the first team that I thought I might go to was LA and they were, they picked 11th. So it was like all of a sudden all the nerves built up. And then LA made their pick wasn't me. And then you kind of, and then relax for two picks. So I, I mean, the top 10, I wasn't even paying attention. Funny story, I didn't want to, I, I didn't want to wear, I had these like thick contacts. My eyes were pretty bad back then. And so I wore these contacts, but they weren't comfortable at all. And so I didn't want to wear my glasses at the draft. And so I just wore nothing in my eyes. So I couldn't see very good. And so when you say like, I got drafted and walked up there. And when you say like, everything was a blur, it was legitimately a blur to me. (laughs) I walked, I was on stage. Couldn't, you know, I was, I'm far sighted, So it's not that bad, but. I had nothing in my eyes and was, I was like a plus five and a half. So I was, I was feeling my way around up there when I went up there.
0: And what about the fact that you were taken by the Edmonton Oilers in the first round? You know, that, that was a team obviously that you had to have followed relatively closely when you were growing up.
1: Well, yeah, absolutely. And, and that's when I first started watching Curtis Joseph with, before he we went to Toronto and then also, you know, Calgary wasn't very good at all. I cheered for them cause we were, you know, it was a hometown team, but they weren't great. Um, but Edmonton was, and they were all, you know, that was kind of during that stretch when they had the epic playoff series with Dallas every year. It seemed like they played Dallas in the playoffs every single year. Um, and so, you know, that's the closest team. So you kind of watch and cheer for them. So it was pretty exciting. And I and also had um, a lot of relatives in Edmonton too. So everybody was pretty excited, you know, of all teams to go to three hours north drive. is pretty cool.
0: So now you're a first round draft pick of the Edmonton Oilers and your very first season as a pro, you don't really have a training camp because of the lockout and you come to Stockton, California to play in the ECHL. Tell us what that experience was like.
1: Well, a major culture shock. I mean, you want to talk about a kid that grew up in suburban Calgary to come down as a 20 year old and live by himself and in Stockton, California was a bit of a bit of a culture shock for sure. But um, it was... uh, it was good though. It was, you know, a chance to grow up. Um, first time I lived in the States too. So it was, uh, you know, nice weather fans were amazing. Um, we, we were getting like 8,000 fans there at the ECHL game. And so I got a lot of great memories of being in Stockton. And, and, uh, like I said, chance to grow up first time I lived on my own, we had a great team got to play in the all-star game there. And, uh, I think we, we made the playoffs. We, we did, I had a lot of fun.
0: You played five years for the Oilers, but then you moved on to Nashville. Was that the most trying time of your career, when your confidence was tested the most?
1: Oh, it was awful. Um, the start of that season was just awful. I mean, I remember looking back on it, and I couldn't, I couldn't get away from it. Um, you know, go, we'd be on the road and go with, go to a movie with some guys, and 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 you know get away from it for two hours and the second the movie ended it was just like right back in my mind I just could not shut it off you know this the the first four or five games like statistics wise were just awful and then you know all that you hear all the talks about needing better goaltending and need to needing to make a move and then that gets in your head and I was younger as well and so it was it was tough it was really tough and then they signed gallov and it was kind of you know the writing was on the wall at that point and but you still, it's, it's, you know, again, being a young kid, you kind of always just hold out hope that, like, no, I'm gonna, I'm gonna turn this around and prove them wrong, and then, and then when it actually happens, you know, you go. But I was just, at that point, when I got traded in Nashville, I was just not in a good space at all, and to go there, and uh, I think they had, they had pretty high expectations out of me going there, and I just don't think that I was in the right mind space to uh give them what they were expecting at that point and then you know only played two games there so and I got traded while I was on the road as well so we were in, we were actually in Minnesota when I got traded so you know you think about you leave your wife and kid for a road trip and then all of a sudden you got to call her and tell her that that you're you've been traded and you don't <laughs> don't know when you're gonna see him again <laughs> Um, so they were able to come, they, we got it figured out in Nashville and they were able to come for, uh, for, I think for like a month. And then I got traded to, to Montreal, um, and sent down to Hamilton cause I'd already cleared waivers and, uh, they, I didn't see, I didn't see either of them for like 10 weeks and then got called to the, to the, uh, black aces for the playoffs. And so they let me go home for like two days. So I flew from Toronto to back to Edmonton for like two days. And then I had to go back to Montreal for the black aces. And of course I'm on the flight and they like the middle of the flight, they announced that Montreal swept the lightning. So they're not even going to be playing for, for another week, 10 days. And so I went back there and the, uh, when they, after they won the second round, I couldn't do it anymore. I just told them that I needed to go home and, you know, I knew they weren't going to, they weren't going to re-sign me the following season and which is fine. But I just said, I, I get, there's more important things in my life right now than doing what I'm doing right now. And I need to leave. And so they were great about it. They understood and let me go. And that was it. And then of course the day I landed at home, Carrie Price got hurt and I got, had to go on hockey night in Canada and explain why I left and, I mean, if Carey Price hadn't got hurt, and I don't think anyone would have even known I was on that roster.
0: You definitely got to the top of your game, first in Arizona and then in Minnesota. You've been one of the workhorses in the NHL these last few years, and now you remember the San Jose Sharks. Give us an idea about your experience working with Yevgeny Nabokov, who's your goalie coach these days.
1: Oh, it's been just awesome. Um, I, I knew Nabby before, uh, which was which was great coming in, because we you knew we'd get along great, and Uh, I was really excited to work with him, but it's, it's been great. He's, uh, he's very detailed, um, very specific on, and he's not, you know, he's not afraid to, he expects a lot out of you and he's not afraid to ask you to to try different things. Um, You know, we've worked on a few things and it was fun because a lot of different uh, little specific stuff. uh, And sometimes it can feel like a lot at once, uh, but, you know, we just keep working on it, working on it, and uh, it was nice. I mean, I really felt it in the last game. It was fun to go out there, and the little things we've been working on, you know, we had the entire week to work on them, and to be able to go out in the game and, and be able to, to, to do it, uh, execute what, what we've been working on without thinking about it was uh, was fun. And, I mean, that's a big, big uh, kudos to Navi, and, um, you know, it's, I think it's going
0: to be great, i still got a lot of time to, to continue to pick away and, and just bring the game to another level. Thanks to Devin Dubnik for joining us today. I'm Dan Rusinowski. The Shark Spotlight is a presentation of the San Jose Sharks Audio Network.